Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Live It Well podcast. We are your hosts, Chris and Jenny Gravy. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. We are so glad that you're here with us. Each week, we invite authors, mentors, friends of ours who have an inspiring message, who are living their life well. And so our goal is to learn and grow, and we want to invite you to do the exact same thing with us. So hope you're ready. Let's dive right in. On today's episode, we're chatting with Rachel Macy Stafford about letting go of what doesn't matter to make room for what truly does. Rachel is a best-selling author and a certified special education teacher with a master's degree in education and 10 years experience working with parents and children. Her work has been featured on Good Morning America, PBS, and so many more. We chat with Rachel about grasping what truly matters by letting go of what doesn't, how to slow down and be present to the moments right in front of us, and how to intentionally communicate love and value to our kids. You know, our heart tells us all the time what we need, what our family needs, and we don't listen because we're too busy listening to the world and the pressure and the demands and the hurry up life. We don't hear it. But when we get still and we ask for help, that's when we are guided back to what matters. We had such a great time chatting with Rachel. We pray that this episode is a blessing to you. Listen in. All right. Hey, Rachel, welcome to the show. We're glad you're here today. Hi, I'm so glad to be here. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, as we said in the intro, obviously you have been on this this journey, this mission, this adventure to really help people rethink the way that they operate when they have people in their lives that they love, be present, be available, love hard, love deeply. And so um, I want to talk a little bit about kind of your story, how this message came about. Was there a moment? Uh, Because I know our audience would love to hear that. Oh, thank you so much. There was a moment that it was kind of a painful realization. Like, you know how when you have a little voice inside you that's kind of nagging you with something that's just not feeling right. And you might go along and just kind of ignore that little voice. Well, that's pretty much what was going on with me. But one day I was actually out for a run and I had this question that started going over and over in my head. And Up until that moment, this question had been something that was really a source of pride for me. And that question was, how do you do it all, Rachel? And that day I'm running, I'm thinking about that question. And I was like, if I answered that honestly, what would be the answer? And I thought, I can do it all because I miss out on life. I can do it all because I miss the laughing, the memory making, the playing. It just, it hit me so hard that I actually just had to stop running. And I bent down and I remember just watching the tears fall on my shoes. But it was, it wasn't just like weeping over all that I had missed. It was weeping with relief because in that moment I thought, all right, that's the truth. And yeah, that hurts, but the truth also heals because once you're willing to take that hard look inward and say, this is not working, this is not how I want to live. And then you can say, okay, now I can make changes. Now I can do something differently. And I knew that I was so far gone on my 
pursuit of perfection and juggling it all and doing it all for everyone that I knew I can't just stop being this person that everyone thinks I am and counts on me to be. And so I prayed and my prayer was very interesting because I was a special education teacher for 10 years and I knew the power of small steps, of small, tiny changes, because a lot of the kids that came to me uh, had severe behavior problems and they had been written off and people thought they're never going to change. And so my prayer, I feel like was really related to what I'd spent 10 years of my life doing. And I prayed for one small step to turn my life from this maxed out, depleted, joyless, way of life. Of course, nobody knew that. It, of course, I always had a smile on my face and looked like everything was great. But the truth was, I was maxed out. I was depleted. I was joyless. And I needed a small step to bring that back to where I really, truly knew I wanted to be. So that is how that journey started. And I did have a beautiful small step within like two hours of getting home from that run. And that small step was just in the middle of everything that I was doing to get my daughters out the door, thinking about all the things I needed to get done. A little voice said, you need to go to your daughter, who Avery at the time was four years old. She was watching The Lion King. I remember thinking, I'm not going to try to finish this sandwich. I'm not going to look at the clock. I'm not going to determine if I have time. I'm just going to go. And Avery ended up scooting next to me, picking up my hand and kissing my palm. And I thought, I get it. I get it. How do you grasp what really matters? You let go of what doesn't matter. It was like, just hit me with a ton of bricks. And I thought, if I just keep taking small steps and I just keep listening to that calling and my heart, I can't go wrong. You know, our heart tells us all the time what we need, what our family needs, and we don't listen because we're too busy listening to the world and the pressure and the demands and the hurry up life. We don't hear it. But when we get still and we ask for help, that's when we are guided back to what matters. I love it. Yeah, love that story. And so, and I love the fact that that happened with your daughter. That's that is a transformation transformational moment. Talk to me about yes. your husband. You know, you have this moment. You come back. You have this revelation as a husband myself. You know, with with a wife who is seemingly able to handle a, a lot more than any normal human <laughs> being can, who's I think wrestled with a lot of things you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what was that conversation like? What was I mean? Because you you can't obviously do all this on your own. Tell me, how did you guys partner together to make this a part of your life? I, to be honest with you, I began my journey, and I didn't tell anybody what I was doing for about two months because. I was in a place of shame. I was in a place of believing that maybe I wouldn't be able to do what I was setting out to do because I was really, really distracted. I was really, really focused on the wrong things. Like I was so far off course that I didn't know. And I believed in, you know, what I was praying for. I believed in the small steps, but I kept it to myself because I thought, What if I tell my family I'm trying to live more present, 
more joyful, more positively, but I don't. And then how sad is that going to be? So after about two months and I was really feeling confident, like these little changes I was making were, I could see in my family, I could feel it in the environment of my home, that these choices to let go of what doesn't matter, you know, to ignore that voice of this has to be done right now, or this has to be done at a hundred percent level, or it's not good enough, you know, listening to that voice of it's enough, look in your husband's eyes, stop what you're doing. Those little tiny things were making a difference. So one day Scott was taking the girls to a science museum and I told him, I said, I got to tell you something. I've been working on being hands-free and I said, it means I'm taking time each day, even just for a few minutes to be fully present and let go of all the distractions in my life. And Scott said, you know, I noticed something was different about you, but I couldn't pinpoint what it was. Well, he goes on to the museum, comes back like three hours later, and he's like, I couldn't stop thinking about this concept of being hands-free. And he said, I have to tell you, I used that concept. I didn't get my phone out. I didn't think about work. I didn't hurry the girls from one station to the next. I just tried to just be. And he said, I can't remember the last time I had such a wonderful experience with the girls. And to me, that was confirmation that this was something beyond me and beyond my family. And I, I had been always dreamed of being a writer. Um, I knew that I was a good teacher. I knew that I could be a good encourager. And I thought, maybe I'm supposed to share this. Maybe this is supposed to reach beyond me. And, you know, that's, that's where it all started was the fact that Scott loved it so much and it resonated so much. And, you know, he was immediately on board because he was very, very worried about me. I was taking very dangerous shortcuts to be able to maintain a level of productivity, a a facade of, I've got this all under control to my community, my church, my work. I was, I was taking classes, you know, I was completely maxed out. So, and you know, Scott had said to me over a two year period, is this really how you want to live? And of course I wasn't in a place where I could say, yeah, you're right. I would get defensive and angry. And I would say, well, you don't know what I'm taking on. You know, it's easy for you to say. And so I would push him away. So when I started doing the hands-free thing, he was like, this is so great. And he was so happy because that's really what he had wanted to see changes. But of course, you know, it had to be me. Someone can't change us. And when you're not ready for that message, you're, you're not ready, you know? Absolutely. I love this whole concept. And as a mom and a wife and just a, a, the busy life that we have, I totally resonate with this. We've been on a similar journey as well. Just this concept of slowing down our life in general and not saying no to hurry. You know, this quote yeah. by Dallas Willard, the ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life is kind of buzzing right now all over the place because I think we all 
feel it. We feel the danger of always being in a hurry and missing yeah. the preciousness of life um, with our kids mm-hmm. and everything. But I'm really excited to ask you this question because you've been living this out for a long time. As we've been trying to practically, intentionally slow down, something that always comes up for me, I don't know if it's because I'm the mom or I'm a one on the Enneagram or I'm trying to get all the things done, but how do you practically balance slowing down, saying yes to the moment, being present, and also getting the stuff done, you know, like, because there's still so much that needs to be done. I know for you and and we have five kids. So I was just this morning, like writing out my chart of everything that needs to be done for everyone. And that is a way that we show love to them as well by having clean socks that they can put on their feet and lunches made right. and all those things, they still have to get accomplished. What does that look like for you? How do you find mm-hmm. that balance of when to say yes and be present and when you actually have to get things done? Right. So my journey started when my girls were like four and seven and I was like you, like, how is it going to get done? If I don't do it, it's, yeah. you know, not going to do itself. So I had this urging like, okay, you need to, as much as possible, incorporate the kids in everything that you do. Now, that was hard for me at first because I am a perfectionist by heart. <laughs> now, I'm working on that. Um, this is a safe but, place. You know, this is a safe place. It really is. Okay. <laughs> we're, all, we're all recovering here. Uh, um, but, yes, yeah, so... I was like, well, I could invite them to help me fold this laundry, but then what's it going to look like? And it's, you know, but I did. I knew that in order to spend time with my family, I needed their help on all of these kind of household tasks. And it was almost like God was telling me through different things that I was reading, you know, parenting experts and so, and people like that, that were like, if you want to raise independent kids who are responsible, you need to give them contributions to make basically, because it's like, we're part of this family. We all need to make a contribution. You need to let go of things needing to be done at a certain level or a certain way. And... I did. I started incorporating. And these are things that don't happen overnight. You don't just release control. But the more I let them make their own lunches, I let them pack their own suitcases, all of these things that I was doing for them, which was kind of why I felt resentful a lot, because I was like, well, I'm the one who's having to do all this stuff. And, you know, I'm cooking the meals. And it was like, no, Rachel, you're acting like they're helpless bring them in, let go of the fact that this may not be done as fast as you want, but they're being a part of this. Well, fast forward to now age 16 and 13, and I can't tell you how happy I am that at age four and seven, I was letting them be a part of all of the things that we, that have to get done. They are both extremely resourceful. And it's funny because they have their own sticky notes now of the four things that they need to have before they go to school. And one of my daughters is 
much like me, my older daughter. So, of course, I wasn't too worried about her because she's very productivity driven. But even my younger daughter, who's just a noticer and and she just takes her time doing everything. You know, she needed some some tools and support along the way. And I had to take some very deep breaths. You know, a lot of time I was like, <laughs> OK, I'm letting Avery do this for herself. I'll give her an hour, what would take me 10 minutes. But, you know, these are the things that we have to do, you know, so our kids are not automatically going to be able to do these things, but that's when we need to say, okay, I'm going to teach you. I'm going to let you have this feeling of capableness like that. That's another whole thing I talk about in live love now is we have this whole generation of kids. They feel worthless because a lot of parents aren't letting kids do these type of things. They're like, oh, honey, you've got to go to your soccer practice for three hours. I know you can't pack your bag and I know you can't get your snack ready. I'll do that for you. Or, oh, honey, I know that you can't study for your test tonight. So I'm going to help you with this. This is a disservice. There, there are kids getting to college who are failing and they are thinking they are actual failures because they haven't managed their own lives. And so if if you think about, okay, I've got all this stuff I need to get done. I'm going to have to do it. I don't want to burden my child. You need to rethink that. You need to start getting them involved as soon as you can. This is not just about being productive in your house. This is about a feeling of worthiness. The kids need to feel like they are contributing, that they can do it. When you do something for your child that they can do for themselves, you are offering a message of, I don't think you can do it. And yes, they are going to fail. But wouldn't you rather have them fail when they're in your home and you can say, you know what? This is part of living. I don't even like to call mistakes mistakes. I like to call them brave attempts. You tried. That's what matters. And then you are building these muscles of resilience so that they they start facing, okay, little failures like, okay, didn't do so great on that. But then as they go along in life, they're going to be prepared for the bigger failures and the bigger letdowns that have a higher cost. But they can know just because I failed or I didn't do as well as I thought doesn't mean I'm a failure. It doesn't mean I should end my life. But that is where we are in society because kids are actually being crippled by the fact that their parents are not letting them own their responsibilities, just regular life skills. They need that. I love that. It's so good. And you're right. Um, A lot of it is just letting go of that control, like you talked about. And it's not always convenient to let them handle it. Um, But it is so good for them and so good for us, too. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's very clear that this message is burning deep within you, and I think that's that's something that everybody, um, you know, you're letting that light burn, and people are going to come to it, and that's exciting. And clearly, you've done that through your other books and the work that you're doing. So, I mean, you you hit on a couple of the practical pieces that people can do, and I know you really dive deep that into the book. I would love to hear a story maybe in the book or in your journey that maybe you could say, um, I saw something change in a person out there that maybe stepped into and kind of stepped into these principles that you're teaching. Mm -hmm. One thing that was really life-changing for me 
when I thought about all of the things that we say to our kids when they get home from school and it's like a checklist, you know, what homework do you have? When do you have to go to practice? You didn't take your trash out. You know, it's it's not that we're trying to be, you know, drill sergeants in our family. We're trying to be efficient. You know, we've got things we, and we want them to be successful. But I realized, you know, Natalie is my oldest. And I feel like I've always been extra hard on her because she is so capable. And I just see so much promise in her. But it... I realized that I was doing that to her, going down the list. What are the things that you have to do? You know, and again, that goes back to I'm not letting her manage herself, which is also a detriment. But I'm I'm not treating her like she's fully human, like she's a person. You know, what do I like people to say to me at the end of the day? How was your day, Rachel? How are you feeling? Not how many books did you sell? Not how many people came and visited your blog today? You know. I don't want a life based on numbers and checklists. So I did something with Natalie that was really life changing. And I stopped asking the performance based questions. I did not ask her, even if she had a test that day. Well, how did you do? What did you get? What homework do you have? Um, How long have you studied? You know, I stopped and I, I trusted that if I greet her, in a way that shows I love her. I love the whole of her. It's not about what she does. It's about who she is. And I could follow up maybe later if I needed to on some of these more managerial type questions. Well, what was interesting is when I changed to kind of how's your heart kind of questions rather than, you know, what have you done? But how's your heart? And it was really only like in about seven days that I did feel that she could breathe easier around me, that she smiled more, that she volunteered more information. And we're about a year into that new system. And I don't have to even check her grades. I mean, it is amazing. I do not get on the portal. She tells me, mom, this is how I did on a test. And it sometimes it's it's not great news. She'll say, this is how I studied. This is what I got. And I think what I might have done that maybe held me back was I did it this way and I'm going to try to do it this way. It has been so profound to stop managing her and treating her like all she is about is her performance, that our relationship has healed. I'm seeing more sides of her and I'm seeing that she can solve many of her own problems and she can manage her own time. Now, that doesn't say that there are not times when I notice she's spending more time on her phone or she's doing things that are not in her best interest. And I do talk talk to her about that. And in the book, in Live Love Now, I talk about how do we have those hard conversations with our kids when we notice they are kind of going on a dangerous path. There are ways to talk to them about that, that empower them, that don't sound like I'm criticizing you. I'm telling you what to do. Everything that we do when we interact with each other should be about, you know, believing the best in each other listening before we jump in with our ideas. Who knows? They could have really great ideas about the problem if we just listen. That's such a huge takeaway for me. If I could tell anyone anything, it's 
listen more than you talk. That really goes for anybody. Um, but especially in our families, we, we just want to jump in there and we want to share how we feel about it. We want to jump in with our solutions, but try listening. It's changing all of my relationships. It's changing my, my relationship to myself. I stop asking myself performance-based questions, which is so hard for me because I am all about productivity because I based my worth on numbers my whole life and it nearly killed me. And I'm not being, you know, over the top with that. I'm, I'm telling you, I nearly ended my life before I even became all I'm meant to be because I didn't think I was achieving according to these ridiculous standards that I had set for myself. And I don't want to pass that on to my kids, but that's exactly what I was doing when I was greeting my kids with performance-based questions. It's a subtle change, but it will change your relationship and it will change how your how your kids feel about themselves. It's incredible. I love that so much. Thank you for sharing all of that. I, I love that you shared. It really came, this change really came about when you started being honest with yourself and asking those hard questions about mm -hmm. what was really going on with your kids. Yeah. You know, um, I think all change starts with honesty, right? It starts oh with not just, not just thinking this is what I'm doing, but yes. actually taking a, a nice hard look at what is the reality. You know, what am I doing when my kids come home? I might think I'm being loving, yeah. and, but when I actually look at it, yeah. what is true? What am I actually doing? I love that so much. And, um, and I'm curious for you as you've grown in this journey and as God is changing your heart and transforming you, are there some red flag habits that you have? Are there some boundaries that you've put in place to know, okay, I know when this happens, when I start to see myself doing this, I'm, I'm starting to cross over that line again. And when you notice mm -hmm. that, how do you pull yourself back into a healthy place? Well, when I first started my journey, it was very helpful for me to designate times to be hands-free, to know that during this time period, I'm going to be fully present. This is non-negotiable. Okay. So I figured out when did I have the most opportunities to connect with my family. And first thing in the morning was a good time to be hands-free for me. Then I realized when my girls are coming down for the, for breakfast, and this is when they were younger. Now it's a little different because they're older and they come down at different times. But still, I want to be eyes up for when I have those moments of contact with them, I don't want to be looking at my phone. I don't want to be staring at the news on the TV or whatever. So I created these distraction-free time periods and they were non-negotiable, like I said. So things come up, as you know. And when my blog started taking off, I started getting a lot of interview requests. And I remember the first time it was like NPR, and that was so exciting for me because I was like, oh, my goodness, NPR wants to talk to me. And they said, we want to talk to you on Friday at 5 o'clock. And I was like, oh, that's my hands-free time. You know, I'm thinking to myself, how authentic am I if I say I have these times and I've told my family these are when I want to be available, and then I go and do things that are opposite of that. So I told 
the producer. I was like, I'm so sorry. I, I can't do it at that time. Can we please do it at, and I gave a bunch of other, and they're like, no, I'm sorry. It has to be at that time. So of course I had to say no. And it was so hard for me because I wanted to say yes. I, I didn't want to lose the opportunity, but I knew that if I set these boundaries, I want to keep them intact. Well, here I am nine years later, the hands-free time increments that I began with are the ones that I still have today because there are certain times in our lives when it pays to be present. Anytime you are greeting them or you're having a departure, just try to be present. I mean, that's like a, could be a two minute increment. Don't be on your phone when they're getting out of the car. Don't be on social media when they're, they come and sit down for two minutes and they eat their cereal. Take that time to be with them, even if it's just connective silence, which sometimes my teenagers don't want to talk, but I'm going to just sit there doing something quietly. I might be making a little note or something, but I'm sitting there in case they do want to talk. Those kind of boundaries I feel like are really important, even more so nowadays. I mean, distraction was bad nine years ago, but it's it's off the charts now. And people expect you to be at their beck and call all the time. So I like to remind my community is nobody is going to protect your time for you. No one is going to protect your relationships. The time you invest in your relationships and in your own well-being is completely up to you. If you don't do it, no one's going to do it for you. But let me tell you, when it comes to the end of your life or it comes to the time your child's graduating and you say, why did I spend so much time doing this or that? It's painful. And you don't want to have to live in that regret. So if you can at all make those times declare them. I love going public with things that I'm working on with my family because they will hold me accountable. And you're modeling for your teenagers who now have their own devices that they're trying to navigate. And so you can say, this is how I do it. This is how I protect my time. And so my red flag is anytime I find myself carrying my phone around, that drives me crazy. I'm like, what are you doing? This phone does not need to be around you 24 seven. Put it down, walk away. And anytime I feel anxious, like, ooh, I haven't checked Facebook in a while. That's a red flag because I don't want my feelings and my emotions to be tied in with how much I know is going on in the world. You know, if I know what's going on in my little world with my family and my heart, that's a good place to be for me. And everyone's red flags are going to be different. But becoming aware, I, I often say awareness changes everything. Once you become aware of what you are doing that is sabotaging your time, your productivity, your relationships, do something about it. And I always say the truth hurts because sometimes it does hurt to admit these things, but it heals. And that is the beginning of a new way. And it's life-changing. Absolutely. All right. Love it. Well, um, I mean, I'm loving this conversation. Rachel, we're going to wrap with these three questions that we ask every single time. And it goes like this. What's a book that's impacted your journey? Uh, what's a habit that's impacted your life? And what advice would you give to the younger you? So what's a book that's changed your life? 
So a book that has changed my life and actually made me the author that I am today would be Patty Dye, Life is a Verb. It is the most beautiful book. It's colorful. It has quotes and images and stories that will just burst your heart wide open. I highly recommend it. Um, as far as a habit that's changed my life, I call it collecting hellos. And this occurred to me early on in my hands-free journey that I was not paying attention when my daughter was coming out of her school. And so I decided no matter what I was in the middle of, I was going to put that down and I was going to pour my love into the person coming at me. Like in this case, it was my daughter. She's coming out of the school. She was little. So her backpack was like almost bigger than her. And it was bouncing because she was so happy to see me. And she had this huge smile and I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't know anyone could be so happy to see me. And I thought, I'm, I'm going to collect hellos from now on. You know, when Scott gets home, I'm going to look at him. I'm going to collect that hello. When I see my parents, I'm going to collect that hello. Because as we all know, there are going to be goodbyes and they're going to be painful. But if you've got this collection of times when you've been intentional about greeting your people, it's going to soften the pain of the goodbyes. That's great. That love is it. beautiful. Yeah. I love that. Thank you. What's the last one? The last one is what advice would you give to the younger you? Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> what, where should I start? <laughs> That's, well, I actually wrote a manifesto to myself a couple years ago. Um, and the first line is get off the scale. And because it can't measure the depths of your heart. But I have put myself on a scale, literally and figuratively, for so, so many decades that I would tell my younger self to get off the scale, not just because I've struggled with body issues and basing my worth on measurements, but just always measuring my, my worth and my success in things that are superficial instead of meaningful. And, and so in the manifesto, I say, well, what are signs that you have invested in what matters? And, um, it's like, I lived, I loved, I laughed, I kneel, I sang, I danced, I praised, uh, I encouraged all of those things. That's how I want to measure my life. That's great. Love, love it. it. So good. Well, Rachel, thank you for being here today. Where can people look you up, find you, all that good stuff? Um, so you can come to my website, which is handsfreemama.com. Um, I also have the Hands Free Revolution is my community, which is on Facebook and Instagram. And it's a beautiful, loving community where we are all like, we are just trying to show up. We're trying to, you know, be present, love more, kind of let go of all these things. And so that's a really nice, supportive group that we welcome everyone to come and be there with us. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you for being here today. We're cheering you on and excited for this brand new book that's going to launch. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Guys, thank you so much for listening today. There's a lot going on in our world right now. And we just want you to know that we're praying for you. And there's just hope that in the midst of all of this insanity that we can find Jesus, find hope, and lean on him and his word. And we'd love to hear how we can pray for you and how these episodes are encouraging you in this season that we're in right now. And honestly, any other way that we might be able to help you in this time. 
You can hit us up over on our website at letsliveitwell.com, leave us a review on iTunes, or come find us on social media. This week, Jenny and I spent some time just kind of sharing what's going on in our life over on our Instagram and over on our Facebook page, uh, things that we found that are working in the midst of this unprecedented season and things that maybe aren't working. So we'd love to hear what's going on in your world. And as always, guys, you can find all the info for today's episode, all the links mentioned, all the books mentioned in our show notes over at our website, letsliveitwell.com. Well, all right, y'all, that's a wrap for today's episode. We will catch you next week. We're going to close it out like we do every single time. Remember, you only get one life. Live Live it well. well.